0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Alliance Guide to Finances, Investing in Your Values. My name is Kyle Clark, and I'm an investment advisor here at Gerber Kawasaki. And I'm joined by one of my colleagues and the director of the Get Invested program here at Gerber Kawasaki, Brett Sifling. Brett, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great, Kyle. Feeling uh, blessed that we're having such nice weather outside that we can still get outside during this pandemic. built a few financial plans today. Some of were ESG-focused, which we're going to be talking about today. Um, so I'm feeling great. That's
0: great to hear. And yeah, excited to talk about ESG investing, impact investing, and I think our viewers are really going to get a lot out of the webinar that we have planned today. But before we jump into the great stuff that we have to discuss, I do want to go over disclosures and note that Everything that we discuss here today should, be not, should not be taken as individual investment advice. And you should always consult with an investment professional before you make any personal investment decisions. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And we may be talking about stocks or companies that we own or our firm has positions in. So it's always a great idea um, that you need to, to talk to an actual licensed professional before acting on anything uh, that you see here. So we do not recommend that. Now, before we get into the webinar, I did want to give a little bit of our backgrounds, Kyle, um, to give the audience an insight on on why we actually put this on. And so me personally, um, for those of you who don't know me, I grew up here in Southern California, um, basically played sports my entire life until I found out what the stock market was and uh, really just fell in love with investing and trading and financial literacy at a pretty early age in high school. Um, and so I began posting everything that I was learning online and got a pretty decent sized social media following from that. So I leveraged that into creating a subscription based blog where I was putting out a lot of research on biotech and pharmaceutical companies. At the time, um, I was really drawn to that because these companies were were basically making um, drugs that were were helping actual humans. And so I loved the intersection of, of being able to invest and make money, but also actually make a difference in people's lives. And so that led me to some really cool places. I was Business Business Insiders 20 under 20 of Finance, featured in the Wall Street Journal, and I still do a lot of that media coverage um, for the firm, um, all before finally ending up at Loyola Marymounts, uh, where we met Kyle, uh, where I managed part of the school's endowments, uh, which was a super neat project, a big fund that the school uses for a lot of community projects. Um, And so, Kyle, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself as well?
0: Yeah, definitely. And so I was born and raised in Sacramento, California, raised by two hardworking blue collar folks um, and had a super unique opportunity to actually go to a Jesuit high school um, during my time, during my adolescence years. And ultimately end up at Loyola Marymount University down in L.A., um, where I, I met you as well, Brett. And, you know, once I graduated, had a super unique opportunity to work down in the venture capital space and and learn firsthand, you know, how the 1% really do it, how people get successful um, through investing and ultimately, you know, came back to LA and uh, teamed up with with Brett here at Gerber Kawasaki. And, you know, one of the great things that going to a Jesuit, you know, high school um, growing up and, you know, attending Loyola Marymount. Um, LMU down here in LA is the fact that both of these were, you know, Jesuit institutions. Um, And this is kind of what we mean by, you know, investing in your values. Why we put on this seminar is because through, you know, Brett and R's experience, um, there were philosophies, you know, going to to school at LMU that had core values that are essential um, to really the holistic approach to education. And this same philosophy can be implemented in how we really think about business, investing, and overall personal finances. And as a student at LMU, we're really taught to keep in mind, you know, these five pillars that inspire students to integrate, you know, knowledge with action so that they can become leaders, really, that that transform the world. Um, And so we have these really core values and these principles, you know, through Ignatian values like modules where we're seeking to strive for excellence in all aspects, Um, you know, being men and women for others and ensuring inclusion of marginalized communities, Um, forming education um, and educating, you know, uh, agents of change, learning and employing uh, actions that are integrated within the mind, body and spirit and committed to really service and justice in in an effort um, to become a global citizen. And living ultimately with a with a life of purpose, and not only should you you know show these actions inside your communities and with individuals, um, but also implementing a lot of these philosophies in your personal investments and personal finances. And so there are a lot of clients here at Gerber Kawasaki that ask for customized portfolios, financial plans um, to invest in society, socially responsible companies. Um, and have plans crafted around things like charitable giving, um, providing suitable solutions for their money management for -for non-for-profits. And honestly, that was one of the major reasons of why I became an advisor here at Gerber Kawasaki, is because a lot of these values that Brett and I grew up with going to school at LMU are here at at the firm um, that we have ingrained in the company.
1: Yeah, you, Kyle, you really hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, Gerber Kawasaki is, is really just an extension of the values of all the people that do work here, and, and we live these values every single day. Um, and so those of you who don't know what Gerber Kawasaki is, we're a full-service financial planning and investment management firm. So we sit down with individuals, families, business owners, um, and put together a full financial plan for them to get to the goals that they're trying to achieve. So a little bit of background on GK, we've got over 7,000 clients um, all over the US and all over the world actually, um, that we've been able to work with. And we manage about $1.2 billion for them collectively. Um, At the end of the day, what it's really about is is not only guiding you to maximize your financial resources, but doing it in a way um, that impacts society and impacts the world. And so we strive for the highest levels of dedication, objectivity, Um, And and really just this holistic process of guiding you to basically have the best financial plan possible. So not only does Gerber Kawasaki live these values, but a lot of the principles that we use are directly reflected in the investment portfolios that we have. So not only do we build these portfolios for families and individuals, but we also build them for uh, institutional clients as well. So we actually have no minimums at the firm. We have people that are putting away $50, you know, a month, and we have people that have tens of millions of dollars with us, and kind of everywhere in between. So no matter where you're starting at, we're able to meet you, and we have a program there for you, and are able to customize the advice to you in a sense. And so, you know, ESG is an interesting um, way to invest. And so, Kyle, why don't you give us a little bit of background on what? you know, how ESG came about and and how social impact investing came about in general.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so before the term ESG came about, um, there was what was called socially responsible investing, uh, uh, SRI, um, which basically started in the 1970s as investors mostly used kind of the negative screen method to exclude um, investments in say, guns, tobacco, gambling, um, adult entertainment, and other vices. And, you know, investing in these stocks has been uh, really a supporting um, kind of the moral, I guess, quote unquote, bad or socially irresponsible businesses that have focused on dollars and cents, right? With no regard of consequences or business practices. Um, and so we've transitioned that as a society, um, as, you know, investment professionals, and then looked to more sustainable themes of investing, um, and most notably investing in with what's called an ESG lens. So socially responsible investing um, has piqued investors' interest really for decades and has gained traction, especially in the past couple of years. Um, you know, sustainable funds in the U.S. have gathered over $10.5 billion in the first quarter of 2020. In 2019, they gathered right around $21 billion. Um, which was four times the amount back in 2018 and we expect um, socially responsible investing will continue um, especially with this increasing you know demand for investors to begin um, to look at their investment portfolios and scrutinize the integrity of the corporations and uh, their responses to things like you know the coronavirus black lives matter and at gk we've been really devoting, Um, ourselves to diversity and investing responsibly, especially with our LGBT uh, communities. Um, We have a a woman of wealth group here at the firm as well. And our ESG group has focuses on expanding our research on environmental, social, and governance um, investing. And so from this, Brett, can you explain a little bit more about what exactly ESG investing is and- what type of companies really fall under this ESG lens that we're
1: talking about? Yeah, it's a great question. And for those of you who haven't actually you know heard about this type of investing before, it might sound a little esoteric for you. So ESG breaks down to environmental, social, and governance. So when we look at companies through an environmental lens, uh, we're mostly looking at companies that are directly impacting climate change. Um, for example, if a you know, company basically cares about the environment and invests in renewable energy. For example, that can lower their bills at the end of the day and help them be a more sustainable company. Um, the social aspect, you know, we're looking at companies that have a diverse workforce. Uh, you mentioned that they're, you know, LGBT inclusive. Um, there's actually a rule that uh, or a law that California passed this last year that you're gonna need one woman on the board by the end of 2019. And I believe it's three by the end of 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also interesting, a a couple stats for you from the Fortune 400 companies or Fortune 500 companies, rather, Um, only 40% of those Fortune 500 companies are actually transparent about the gender and makeup of their employees. So out of those basically 500 companies, only 37 of the CEOs are women none of which are African-American, only four African-American men. There's three LGBT CEOs, all of which are white. And unsurprisingly, only one out of all 500 companies actually discloses their wage data on how much their employees make, broken down by race, gender, um, and a few other factors. So this is a huge problem and a shift that is happening in America on the social standpoint. Now, for governance, we're looking at companies that have a long standing focus with corporate guidance. So we hold them to a higher level of a higher standard, in a sense, and that they're using their best interest for not only investors, but all stakeholders, not only from the customer, but all the way through the supply chain. Um, And if you have good governance, and you're doing the right thing at the end of the day, what happens is you're not getting sued. And that goes directly to the bottom line. I mean, the thing that comes to mind is this, you know, Goldman Sachs, 1MDB scandal, where they, you know, defrauded a bunch of bond investors and, and gave a bunch of money. So, Um, All of these things will directly impact investments over time. Now, there's no actual consensus of what ESG means. If you ask Gerber Kawasaki what ESG means, we actually prefer to call it impact investing. And if you ask different investment firms, they all kind of view it it from a different lens. And there's a wide dispersion of views with this. So Kyle, what are some examples of companies that you can give that have that ESG lens in our view?
0: Yeah. Great, great question. Um, And really, we can start at the top of the ESG companies that we've looked at, um, starting with Apple, right? One of the the major companies that have consistently made top headlines. Um, Apple recently was valued at a $2 trillion company and is one of the leaders when it comes to ESG investing. And back in July uh, 21st of this year, actually, they unveiled a plan to be able to become the first, uh, or a new step to become carbon neutral across their entire business practice, um, you know, including manufacturing, supply chains, um, product life cycle, all by 2030. And so the company is already carbon neutral today for its global corporate, uh, corporate operations. And this is really kind of a new commitment um, for them and ultimately for all every Apple device sold will have a net zero climate impact, which is huge. Another great company um, that, that we love and you know, a lot of people love when it comes to ESG is Microsoft. Right? Obviously another major player in the tech uh, industry and it's had an amazing performance as a company. And beyond that um, and beyond their impressive numbers, Microsoft has already and continues to make substantial strides with its commitment to be a better corporate citizen. Um, and so what that means is some of the good deeds, including going carbon neutral back in 2012. Um, also the current uh, they currently have a lot of the powers with the data centers um, with energy efficient solar panels. Um, and furthermore, you know, they're boosting their digital skills and, you know, for underdeserved youth and minority populations as well, um, and it's been helping to alleviate a lot of the un- affordable housing crisis near its headquarters, and really been making excellent strides when it comes to ESG. Um, and ESG is really, you know, ingrained in this company's makeup. And I know that there are other great companies outside of that, um, you know, like N- Nvidia, like Prologics who are also great companies uh, through the ESG lens. And Brett, do you wanna talk a little bit about those companies as well?
1: It's a great company. NVIDIA is the first one that comes to mind. I mean, they've got such a a socially diverse workforce and that's really proven that um, they've been able to innovate better than anyone in their industry. And so what really they score great in is the company's accounting practices, their executive pay, the board organization and the ownership structure. All of these factors actually make a company like them, um, score higher on this scale. And so, you know, although we do like investing in individual companies, individual companies actually, and stocks in general, carry a lot of risk. And it's not always the best idea to invest in individual stocks. There's things called mutual funds or ETFs, which are baskets or collection of these types of companies. And you can find these, right, Kyle, of like ESG funds or ETFs.
0: Definitely, you know, with all the civil unrest that's been happening, especially with the Black Lives Matter um, group, it's worth noting that when it comes to social justice aspects in a lot of the ESG themes, there are ETFs um, out there that specialize, um, you know, when it comes to race, race and ethnicity as well. So there's actually a great ETF out there called Impact Shares, NAACP Minority Empowerment ETF, just as an example out there, um, which basically the, the National Association for Advancement of Colored People was founded back in 1909. And it comes in and provides us with a long history of corporate engagement that really puts a spin um, when it comes to things like exchange traded funds, working forward and you know have a particular emphasis with a, a specific criteria um, to be able to be added to this ETF. And so the NAACP, developed a list of 10 principles, which they call screens. And the purpose of this ETF um, is ranging from the familiar aspects and having, you know, a diverse board of executives and and team uh, leaders to be able to have a good amount of diversity, as well as having, you know, an emphasis on lesser known ideals, um, like how a company addresses the digital divide and supporting local communities in their development programs, right? Rarely is talked about. And that's what this ETF really focuses on. Um, and this is critical when we're talking about race and equality with your investment strategies while incorporating a diverse basket of companies or an ET or an index like you know an ETF. And it provides you a great diversification in portfolio, alloca- from a portfolio allocation standpoint. Um, And and ultimately, it's really important to note that this ESG ETFs and mutual funds, you know, are tend to be more expensive in comparison to, say, a general S&P 500 ETF. Right. Um, But that's really due to the amount of work and diligence that goes into the analysis of these companies and making sure they're properly meeting the criteria outlined um, by the ETF when selecting these companies to, to be a part of.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Kyle. And um, a lot of it has to do with that. These are newer ways of viewing the world, right? People didn't care about this, you know, in, in old finance. You know, they were perfectly fine with with vice investments because they were consistent and they made money. So as these ETFs and funds are able to scale, hopefully they will be able to get a lot of those costs down. Um, but that's just one of the downsides of ESG investing. And there is you know, a decent amount of points to be made with the downside. Um, one being that if you're going to view companies through this lens, you're going to limit the pool of investments that you can actually choose from. And you might miss out on some of the best performing ones because they were screened out for whatever reason. And, um, you know, that's why we prefer to call this impact investing instead of using a a general screen that ESG does. Um, A perfect example of of a company that I think is arguably doing more for climate change and and fixing our environments than anyone else in the world is Tesla. Um, Some would argue that this is not an ESG investment because of the way that Elon specifically has governed the company and a few of his antics down the line. Um, on the environmental side that's a governance example um, companies that donate a lot of money to help the environment are somehow higher on the ESG score so uh, we don't really invest in energy or oil here at GK for obvious reasons um, but chevron for example would be score high on the ESG list because they donate so much money to those causes so you know we want to get away from these gimmicks in a sense and really get into who is making an direct impact on the world around us. And so why don't you talk a little bit about those upsides, Kyle?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a there's a number of them when it comes to directly impacting, say, the bottom line, right, for investors. And so what we've been seeing is that there's been a substantial shift to impact investing, ESG investing, and it's estimated over 20 trillion dollars Um, in in assets under management, basically almost a quarter of all professionally managed assets around the world are within this ESG criteria. Um, RBC did an independent report from a 2019 survey that really looked at, you know, uh, a response rate of over 800 participants around the world based on the last year's data and showed that 82% of them of institutional assets and owners Um, And as well as investment consultants believe that ESG integrated portfolios are likely to actually perform well or even better in some cases than non ESG integrated portfolios. Uh, And, you know, to to back this additional support, according to a report by HSBC Holdings, almost two thirds of institutional investors and nearly 50 percent of companies globally have ESG policies in place already and so of the 1700 companies and institutional investors in the survey that they conducted um, credited stronger brand reputation financial returns and shareholder engagements um, to ESG committed companies and so it also found you know an engagement with ESG uh, companies that basically the investments performed right around two percent higher than the rest of their overall portfolios. Um, And so, you know, this does impact the bottom line um, depending on the asset allocation, but it also provides an investors a peace of mind when it comes to doing their part really as socially uh, responsible and global citizens, right? Um, And so investing in companies that they know are doing what's really in the benefit of society. And so we expect this trend to continue and this is really shown um, best through, you know, a study that was done back in 2006, um, actually by, by Cone Millennial case study showing that millennials are actually more likely to trust a company or, or purchase a company's products when the company has a reputation of being socially and environmentally responsible. Half of those surveyed are more, more likely to really turn down products and services from a company um, if they're perceived to be you know, socially or environmentally irresponsible. And there are always ways to make sure that investments are really in line with your investment philosophy. And as advisors here, you know, we track the data released by these various investment firms in regards to these companies' you know, diversification, uh, excuse me, di- diversity, uh, you know, inclusion of policies, And really making sure that we understand are these companies following the guidelines that have been implemented um, to really, you know, have the best investment allocation possible. And so, you know, these annual reports and ESG scores at the end of the day only take you so far. And that's why we look at impact investing as a major theme behind ESG to provide the results, right? Um, that the ESG criteria gives us to create actionable steps to investing in these great companies for, from a return standpoint and really from a, a moral peace of mind standpoint as well perspective. And so, Brett, there are individuals, I'm sure, thinking, what's the difference between ESG and impact investing?
1: Yeah, good question. And I do want to get into some of your guys' questions uh, at the end here after this. So feel free to, to type them in the chat. Uh, we also had some people send in some beforehand, so we'll go ahead and go over those. But really, what it boils down to is improving people's lives through successful investing. And you know, you really have to understand the changing tides in government policy, environmental concerns, and really social expectations, because these are all key drivers of investment outcomes. So. Really, when we're looking at these companies, we're looking for sustainability in a sense, because it's a natural ally, as you mentioned, to the long term success and a long term time horizon to be an investor. So we care about the companies that, again, are making a difference in society and not necessarily posturing for investors. So, you know, another company that really comes to mind is is NextEra Energy, too um and it's a company that i've followed for for a long long time and and talked to them in the media about a bit um but they're a really cool company in the renewable energy space um and a lot of people don't know that by driving these cost curves down in the renewable energy space it's they've developed a scalability and profitability that's really given them a competitive advantage and a lot of people don't know that wind and solar now is is the cheapest option for energy specifically um cheaper than two thirds of the world's energy. So, I mean, you, you have now um, something that is good for the environment, good for society, and it can also be a great investment. So um, these, these plants are even more profitable than the coal plants. I think it's at this point, three quarters of coal plants can be put out of business by this. And by 2025, it's expected to raise to like 86%. So these are really powerful investments. Some other companies that we followed in the space are like Solar Edge. Um, In the solar space, um, there's also the ETF TAN, um, that is a bunch of solar companies. Uh, We look at electric vehicles, obviously, battery and solar being Tesla. Uh, We look at cybersecurity um, in the Visa and MasterCard area. Um, There's also sustainable chemicals you can look at. Um, There's actually, by 2022, there's hopefully going to be a new complete recyclable plastic that's expected to replace basically the traditional plastic that we use now. So, you know, ESG investing is much more, and impact investing is much more than these three categories that the old thinking has boiled it down to. So let's kind of get into these questions. Kyle, do you want to take the first one?
0: Yeah, definitely. So let's see here. Um this one first one, uh Brett, I'll let you take this. So this is actually from an LMU senior. So I just started my senior year at LMU and read an article in the Loyal Inn about the LMU Endowment Fund, having a lot of companies that are in oil and gas investments. What are your guys' thoughts? Great question. Uh,
1: yeah, it's uh it's interesting. I was on the endowment team myself. Of course, it was only one percent of the the larger endowment for the school. Um, many of you guys might not know this, but I think the LMU's endowment's around 500 million last time I checked. So it's a good chunk of change. And uh, they do have they have investments in, in oil and gas. And I came across Divest LMU. I think what they're doing is amazing. Um, we're actually doing a, a little bit more of a focused webinar in a few weeks um, for the Impact Insights series. Um, and we might talk about this a little bit more. Um, but it's absolutely something I think that the students should push towards. Um, there's no reason why they Need to be making money and in, in, in these investments, and if they truly do want to be an institution that lives the values that they're teaching their students, um, then I can definitely see them taking steps um, to create this and taking more steps to even um, be the the really the leaders in what this boils down to. Okay. Um, so let's see, we got other questions. Um, Kyle, do you invest within any, can you do this and break it down by any religious criteria? That's a good question.
0: Yeah, that actually is a really great question. And to answer it, yes, we actually can, um, you know, we've invested actually with an Islamic criteria and we have advisors here that have actually provided some great recommendations to accommodate the religious, um, you know, aspects that, you know, are, are around Islamic um, beliefs. And so there are, you know, great funds out there. I believe the Amana fund, um, it, it works within this religious criteria. And so most of the established Islamic, you know, investing funds um, in America, it's actually one of the largest investment uh, funds for Islamic investing. Um, And so that's what we kind of primarily use um, when it comes to following things like um, different, you know, religious aspects, things like that. So, yes, we have uh, done with, you know, investing around religious criteria um, before. So, so Brett, wanted to, let's see here, another question is – um, have you noticed certain generations being interested in ESG investing?
1: Absolutely. Um, it's it's clear that the that the younger generation definitely cares more and more about this. Um, I've seen it with my own clients. Um, I've seen it in studies. Um, it's it's clear as day, um, and which is really what excites me um, about where our world is going and and the generations um, that are behind us because. Um, they're the ones that are going to be making these decisions and they're the ones who are going to be writing the checks eventually to these companies and making a difference in the world. Um, I would say that the boomer generation cares much less about this, but is starting to catch on um, more because they I think they're going to eventually have to. Um, and then the younger that you get, I think that um, they definitely care more and more. It's It's clear as day. I'm also seeing another uh, question here saying I'm just starting out as a new investor. How can I get started? Um, A pretty easy one. Um, Reach out to us. Um, We, anyone who's actually attending this webinar, um, we're offering you a completely complimentary consultation. Um, So email us Brett at Gerberkawasaki.com or Kyle at Gerberkawasaki.com. And we're happy to set up a time where we can dive into your situation for an hour. Uh, hour and a half and, and really see what you have set up already. Talk a lot about your goals, what you want to do with the money, um, educate you on the different options that you do have out there and ultimately put together a plan um, to help you get to those goals and help invest in the way that you want to invest. Um, let's see here. Got another question. Have you seen any specific generations being interested in the E, the S, or the G more? Kyle?
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I I can speak from personal experience as well with a lot of my younger clients that are really, really focused on the E part, um, the environmental aspect and making sure that, you know, the way that companies operate their business practices are doing so in a way that's going to benefit the overall, you know, planet, right? Um, especially when it comes to you know, investing in carbon neutral companies um, and, and really also with the, the social aspect as well um, and the governance. I have, I've had a couple of clients ask me specifically, you know, with the political election coming up in November, you know, how best can we, you know, be aware of certain, you know, political parties that are receiving contributions and, and how they're, they're doing that in the most intelligent way with their business practices. Right, um, and so I definitely think that both of these, or all three of these kind of categories, especially the E uh, side of ESG, has really been popular among younger investors, um, you know, from the, the twenty to you know, thirty year olds. Um, so definitely.
1: absolutely, and I would say that um, I completely agree with you that environmental piece is huge, um, but more and more, especially in the past year, that social part and that diverse workforce and being inclusive to minority groups is, is becoming a lot more important in people's minds, um, a lot because that's that's the civil unrest that we're seeing in our in our own cities, um, that we're seeing on social media and people are talking about these issues um, that need to be figured out. So I would say, you know, it is starting to, to form more into social than the environments. Um, and I would say that governance has taken a bit of a backseat for now. Um, any other questions? I'm not seeing any more here. You yeah. probably want to wrap this up for us.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and so thank you for everyone uh, for joining us on our webinar um, for Alliance Guide to Finances, Investing in Your Values. And so as Brett mentioned, if you would like to learn more, if you have any questions um, on any of these topics that we discussed today, please reach out to us. Reach out to Brett, reach out to myself. Um, You can find us more on our website at GerberKawasaki.com or send us an email uh, at at Brett uh, Brett at GerberKawasaki.com and Kyle at GerberKawasaki.com. We're here to just chat um, and really be a resource for you, especially during these crazy times. And uh, stay tuned for our upcoming webinar as well, where we'll be teaming up with Loyola Marymount University for our impact investing series on September 17th at 5 p.m. And so keep a lookout for that um, for more marketing and information and material in the next couple of weeks um, in the meantime hope everyone has a great rest of their evening and stay safe and healthy Take and uh,
1: Just to wrap this up too, make sure if you guys enjoy this content we're pushing out a lot of financial education on tons of different media so we have not only just our traditional media but please subscribe to our YouTube channel. The other groups in our firm are putting out content just like this. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. It's at BSiflingTrades or at Gerber Kawasaki. Um, We're putting a lot of up-to-date information on there as well and Instagram and TikTok as well. Um, So follow us, um, subscribe. Um, You guys are going to get a lot of just free content, free advice from actual licensed professionals who are here doing this every single day. Um, So with that being said, thanks for tuning in, guys and girls. It was uh, hope you guys learned some things and please reach out to us if you do have any other questions or if you saw this after the fact. Um, We're looking forward to to chatting with you, helping build out financial plans and ultimately uh, making the world a better place.